to Acts chapter 9. If you'll remember, before Flavian came to speak with us last week, the previous week, I had chopped my sermon in half on total transformation, so this is the second half. Acts chapter 9, we'll begin with verse 18, just to put it in context. Um, The first part of Acts 9 was Saul's conversion, where the Lord Jesus Christ met him on the Damascus Road, blinded him, sent him to Ananias, who was living in the city of Damascus, and um, as... Um, Paul then went to visit him, and Ananias laid hands on him, and he regained his sight. Verse 18, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, luring him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the and when the brothers learned of this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we have read your word and now uh, as I seek to proclaim it, I pray that you would... Uh, Guard me from preaching error. And I pray that you would use your word and accomplish everything for which you have purposed it. Father, for your people, I pray that they would receive it as the word of God, that they would be humbled and built up in their faith all at the same moment. Father, for any who do not know you, I pray that um, you would use your word to bring them to Jesus Christ. I ask this. In his name, amen. When a person has a true encounter with Jesus Christ, the result is always a changed life. Now admittedly, Paul's encounter with Jesus was unusual. 
Jesus met Paul on the Damascus Road while Paul was in the process of chasing down Christians so that he might take them uh, bound in chains back to Jerusalem that they might be thrown in jail or even um, um, executed. But Jesus spoke to him, blinded him there on the road, and then sent him to Ananias to receive his sight again. And it's safe to say that none of us became Christians under similar circumstances. But my, but my opening statement remains just as true. It's just as true for us as it was for the Apostle Paul. When a person has a true encounter with Jesus Christ, the result is always a changed life. When I met Jesus Christ, my life was changed. If you were a Christian, when you met Jesus Christ, your life was changed. If you are not a Christian, but want to become a follower of Jesus Christ, then this will happen to you as well. Your life will be changed. There will be a total transformation of your life. Your heart will be changed. The direction of your life will be changed. And your behavior will be changed. Well, how does this happen? How does this transformation take place? Well, this transformation takes place. Um, it begins with a new life. Now, by a new life, I, I, I don't mean a new lifestyle or a new decision to make uh, changes in your life. Rather, I mean by this new life that God implants a new life in you. Whereas the Bible says that you are spiritually dead before you come to Christ, um, when, when God draws you to Himself, He raises you from the dead spiritually. He gives you new life. You become, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, a new creation. And as such, God gives you new desires. He gives you a new nature that desires those new things. For proof of this, I want you to look at our text this morning. Uh, Start with verse 18. Verse 18, And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. One commentator said that Paul's blindness and the subsequent fall-off of the scales from his eyes are rich with symbolism. And I think this commentator is right. Because what happened to Paul is symbolic of what happens to us when we become Christians. We are unable to see spiritually before we come to Christ. Jesus said, John chapter 3, verse 3, In order to see the kingdom of God, we must be born again. Listen to the scriptures. If you don't believe that you are spiritually blind, 
before you come to Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We're not only spiritually blind, but spiritually dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. For they, are foolish, for they are spiritually discerned. But when you come to Jesus Christ, God enables you to see Him for the first time. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. I read Ephesians, 1, uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Well, the, the passage continues. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Whereas you were dead, God made you alive. I read 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, uh, one moment ago. Verse 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So whereas the God of this world blinds us so that we cannot see the glory of Christ... God, when He calls us to be born again, God, when He raises us from the dead spiritually, He causes the light of His glory to shine in our hearts. What does that mean? It simply means He makes us to be born again. He raises us to life spiritually. And so now, for the first time in our lives, we are able to see, as Paul said in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 4, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I only believe the gospel because God drew me to Himself. He raised me from, the spirit, from spiritual death. He enabled me to see my need, to see my true sinfulness, and to see His grace that is in Jesus Christ. You know, I've often wondered um, about my Christian life or, or when I became a, a Christian because I don't know exactly when I became a Christian because it was a many months long process as I was reading the Bible, as I was trying to do the right things and trying to, to act like a Christian, at some point over this month-long process, I realized that I couldn't. That I was pretending that I was really, or in reality, being a hypocrite. And I became so frustrated with my own efforts to try and please God 
that I finally cried out to God. I said, God, I don't deserve to be saved. I can't be disciplined enough to do the Christian things that I saw other Christians doing. And I said, God, you deserve to send me to hell. If you don't save me, I won't be saved. But as I've thought about that, I've I've asked myself this question. Did I recognize that I didn't deserve to be saved because I was born again? Because God had awakened me spiritually? Or did I become a Christian because I recognized that I didn't deserve to be saved? And it's the chicken and the egg question. I've wondered about that. I don't know if I'll ever be able to answer that question. But I do know that the faith that I have in Christ, I did not conjure up. I could not have conjured it up. I tried many months trying to do the Christian things. But when I came to the end of myself and I cried out to Jesus, during that process, Jesus raised me from the dead spiritually. He gave me faith. And my life began to change. I couldn't have developed this faith on my own, but all of a sudden, I had this faith, and this faith began issuing in life changes. Um, I gained a whole new set of values. I gained a whole new life, and a whole new power source for, for living my life. I gained a whole new purpose. And that's what happened to the Apostle Paul as well. What are the results of a true faith in Christ? Well, Paul serves as our example. And just like like me, he gained a whole new set of values. Verses 18 through 21, first of all, the scales fell from his eyes. Verse Verse 18, he rose and was baptized. And then, verse 19, he... um, or, yeah, he, he, uh, verse 19, he was with the disciples at Damascus. He joined the church. So he's baptized and joined the church. Uh, and then not only that, verse 20, he is preaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. See, all his values have been changed. Just the day before, or, or when he was marching into, into Damascus, his values were he hated Christians. He hated Christ and he was trying to, to destroy the entire Christian religion. But now, he has been transformed. His values have been transformed. He who is trying to kill Christians is now joined with them. Let me ask you, what about your values? Have they been transformed? Or are your values like the world? Do you try and act like the world? Is that your desire to act like the world? Or is it your inner desire to obey the commands of Christ? Or as Psalm 19 says, um, that God's word in our soul is like honey from the honeycomb. I didn't conjure this up in myself. I tried to do all the commands of God, and I didn't have the power source, and I really didn't have the desire to do it. 
I wanted to do enough to get by. But when God changed me, all of a sudden, this was the delight of my heart. To obey God. I still don't obey Him perfectly. I shouldn't even say that because that is so far from the truth. I am such a wretch and a sinner. But it is my desire. And I know for every believer in Jesus Christ that it is your desire as well. Even if you still struggle with besetting sins. Even if you feel like the, the, the grip of sin is so powerfully, has such a powerful hold on you that you don't feel like you can, can escape it. At the very same time, because you have a new nature, you hate that sin and you love to obey Jesus. Paul not only gained a whole new set of values, verses 22 through 25, he gained a whole new life. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by by proving that Jesus was the Christ. See, he has a new strength. Here Paul, or Saul, I'm back into the Paul Saul and switching back and forth. Uh, Here Saul, his entire life, he has studied the Old Testament. He has studied the laws of the Pharisees. He has studied at the feet of Gamaliel, the the greatest uh, living teacher at the time. And he's done all these things and he tried to watch his life. And you would think that he had grown to such a point that he couldn't really grow much more. But now all of a sudden, now that he's in Christ, he is growing by the moment. He is increasing in strength. And this is the reason why, is he has a whole new life. God has transformed him. And God the Holy Spirit is living within him. So now we see him... He is in verse 22, standing in the synagogues and preaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He is confounding the Jews. When my life was changed, when I became a Christian, I know that the main person doing the changes was not me. I was involved in every change. I made a decision to make every change. But I know that every decision and every change I made was really God at work in me. I didn't put this in my notes and I shouldn't attempt it. But I'm going to anyway. Ephesians 2 verses 12 and 13. Yeah, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do, according to His good purpose. It is God who is at work in you. You have a new life in Jesus Christ. See, we should be optimistic about our ability to change. Paul calls us more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Plus, we have a natural inclination toward holiness because we have a new nature because of this new life that we have in and of ourselves we lack the power the power of sin is always greater than the power that we have in and of ourselves but we just don't simply have power in and of ourselves because God the Holy Spirit lives in us 
so we have a new life. Not only that, we have a whole new purpose. Verses 26 through 25. Paul has been dragging people back to Jerusalem. Now he is going back to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles and preach the gospel, to preach the faith he once tried to destroy. Now, let me just take a little side note here. Because I believe that there is a three-year break between verse 25 and 26. In when when he was lowered down uh, down uh, through um, an opening in the wall in a basket to escape the Jews, uh, the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter one verse seventeen, Paul says. Um, I'll start with verse 15. When he who set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem. Well, it seems like he's going up to Jerusalem uh, immediately, doesn't it, in our passage. But he's saying he didn't go up there immediately. Rather, he says in verse 17, I did not go up to Jerusalem to consult those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, who is Peter, and the other apostles. So, what we have here is he's lowered down in the basket. He goes into the desert, into Arabia for three years. Why do we have seminary for three years? Because Paul went to the desert for three years and studied with God, apparently. And so... Anyway, that's what he did. He went off and and, uh, the Lord taught him. He came back to Damascus and then he went up to Jerusalem. Okay, so side note ended. Now, as he's going back to Jerusalem, he is going with a whole new uh, purpose in his life, a whole new direction. As I said already, The faith he once tried to destroy, he is now proclaiming. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a whole new purpose for your life. Your life is now not your own. You were bought with a price. You belong to Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Romans chapter 6, Paul says, You have died to sin, you have been raised to life in Christ. And then he says, Now believe that that is the truth. And by God's Spirit and by His help, uh, live that way. And then he goes on at the end of Romans 6 and says, You are a slave to the one to whom you obey. Either a slave to God and righteousness, or a slave to sin. Where are you? Has your life been transformed by Jesus Christ? Do you belong to Him? This is the proof of your conversion. Has your life changed? Are you the captain of your life? Or is Jesus Christ the captain of your life? Do you live your life only by your desires? Or does Jesus direct your desires.
Are you living for yourself? Are you, or are you living for Christ? Have you met Christ? Or are you just floating through this world without Him? He's the Lord. And because He has bought us with His blood, because He has transformed us, He calls us by His grace to live our lives committed to Him. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank You for the salvation in Jesus Christ. As Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, it is by grace we have been saved. Father, I pray that You would help us to be who we are. For if we are Christians... If Christ has purchased us, if we are new creatures in Him, if His Spirit lives in us, then Christ should be our life. Father, it is very tempting always to become discouraged because of the sin, because of the, the peer pressures, because of the, the whole bent of our culture. Um, goes against Christianity and we are always swimming against the tide and it is just more comfortable sometimes to to sit back and, and go with the flow rather than swim upstream. God, I pray that you would help us never to be contented um, in going with the stream uh, and living... Uh, a worldly life. Help us to recommit or to commit and recommit our lives to Jesus Christ continually. For He is our Lord. He is our life. We pray in His name. Amen.